Hello, I'm Andrew from RO Video in Wellington, New Zealand, and welcome to episode 12 of Back to the Disc Player, the RO Video podcast. It's inspired by our Adopt-A-Movie scheme, which enables film lovers to purchase an exclusive lifelong affiliation with a title in our library or an acquisition that we might not have. It's where I get the privilege to talk to our customers about their personal connection to the film or films they've chosen to adopt, and for us to find out a little bit about them. Episode 12 is with a former staff member of our video, Ian Pryor, who since then has been a journalist and editor with the online New Zealand film hub NZ On Screen. He's also written a published biography of a certain Peter Jackson, which he reminded me he did so during his tenure as a humble video store clerk. Ian's always been great company and I'd count him as a friend, so I really didn't prepare too much for this one, as when Ian and I get together we always manage to have a good yak, especially about the movies. Ian has chosen two entirely different films for his adopted movies and true to form went through an idiosyncratic process to do so and ended up with two choices that were indeed polar opposite. I hope you enjoy this fun conversation with the infectiously enthusiastic Ian Pryor. Uh, salut, Ian. Salut, Cheers. Andrew. Uh, good to be here. Indeed. Upstairs again. In the, uh, uh, yes, welcome back. Oh. Um, do you remember what year you used to work at our video? What, what was the last uh, year or the period? Well, well, it's funny you ask because I wouldn't normally be able to remember, but I just I had a lot because you know I wanted to be vaguely prepared. Yes. I, I think it's like I think it's like late 90s I started yeah. and then carried on through to 2007. 2007. So it was about, yeah, yeah it was just, just, just under a decade, I guess. Yeah. Now, I have it, uh, I was thinking about, um, uh, you, you know, the, when I had to take you for that coffee, and I, mm-hmm. I, I have to say that, you know, which is still very topical, because, you know, I've just done a Seven Sharp interview, um, you know. Literally uh, tonight. Yeah, an hour ago or so, and um, I was thinking that you were somewhat of a casualty of disruption, mm-hmm. the disruption mm-hmm. that we faced. Because, because you were at that time um, down to one shift a week, if was I remember one rightly. Shift a week? Yeah, you were you were kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were, you, you know, when I had to further reduce hours, you were kind of a um, an inadvertent casualty. Yeah, right. I remember um, that too. No, yeah. I remember you. It was a, it was quite emotional actually. I remember you were really emotional firing me, which which was <laughs> you know, and I, 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 I didn't <laughs> fire him. I, I let him go. <laughs> Let oh yeah, go. so just to have this on the record, it wasn't like I'd committed any grievous no. sins, but yeah, you needed no. to cut back. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember what I was doing then, but I, I but you probably, uh, you know, I mean, I was okay anyway. It wasn't like, obviously I was on hard any shifts and I wasn't relying on the gig, so. No, you know, no, it, exactly. It kind of made yeah. sense, really. Yeah. You, you were a soft target. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for your ongoing loyalty in those, in the intervening 12 years, because you've been a regular at RE Video uh, as a customer and still really... You know, I see you quite a lot, and we've been for a few beers uh, now and then. Not often enough, but here we are again, officially. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to be over overly editorial, but I'll just do one now, just in case you mm-hmm. know all the others get edited out. Yeah. I mean, I think the store, like, it's kind of weird doing the interview with all these um, hundreds of DVD cases in front of me as I speak, but. Um, mm. You know, there's tons and tons of, especially on this floor. The top floor's got so many of the treasures of the store. Mm. It's got all the foreign movies, the horror movies of which I've seen a few, the cult, the Kiwi movies. So there's just so much cool stuff here that it's pretty hard to see. A lot of the stuff, despite what the world thinks, isn't actually that easy to see elsewhere. Some of it mm. is, but yeah. a lot of it isn't. So I think it's, it's an awesome Yeah, spot. and it's still a little bit of a best-kept secret as well because it's amazing that there are people that have come here for years and years uh, or... 
you know, it's been commented many times by customers who have come in frequently, mm -hmm. at least, and didn't know that there was an upstairs. No I way. Mean, not so, so much these days. they never saw that they didn't see the stairs? Indeed. And we didn't really uh, advertise it particularly well. We didn't dress it up with a big neon arrow saying more upstairs. Which you eventually, now you've got something kind oh, of... I got something. I'm just yeah, going to yeah. break what you should do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've oh, got. got a sign I do, it's, it's but that's only. Most, it's not the most obvious. No, it's not. Sign. It's just discreet. Maybe yes, be a bit less discreet. Anyway, so anyway. part of the a little bit of surreptitious marketing, you know, is is me staging a podcast interview upstairs. Yeah, just to kind so of reiterate that, that idea. So I fell for your evil plan a little bit, and to surround you with, you know, bamboozle you with hundreds or thousands of um, certainly thousands. Of DVD covers. Yeah, right. I, I try to... It's, yeah, it's, it's worked. I'm, I'm buttering up my guests. I think we've done that well. Should we move on to the next bit now that we've... Sure. Your, your trick has completely sure. worked. So, um, so after you left our video, what, were, yeah. you, were you at NZ on screen then? or Because you've been there for a, a long time. It's a little hard to remember, to be okay. honest. Uh, I, I, I or were you, was this... You know, because the Peter Jackson autobiography... That came out in uh, 2003, I think. Oh, so you were doing that while you were working here? Yeah, I was. Okay. So essentially, I started at NZ on screen, the NZ on screen website about, it must have been a year or two after after that, because yeah. I'd been there a day, just, we've just turned 10, and I turned up uh, right right around launch time. So yeah, yeah. So I guess that makes it about 2009, I must have yeah. started there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I remember you saying at the time that it was going to be a, a limited gig you know almost like a contract and here you are 10 years later so how's it been going is it is it, <laughs> is it, is it uh it sounds like a, a dream job for a film enthusiast and you've had lots of opportunities to do cool stuff so just tell us a little bit yeah about right. what um what you do there at nzonscreen.com Dot com, that is correct. Yeah. Not dot not not NZ funnily enough, it is dot com. Mm. Uh yeah, no, it is an awesome job. You're right, I'm incredibly lucky to have it because I am, you know, a massive film nut and I, I've always been a big lover of Kiwi films and, and screen stuff. So um basically I started off there as you say it was temporary. I was I was they were they had to get a whole lot of content up and ready before they could launch the site. So there was this massive surge. They had all these freelance writers at that point. And I was I was one of them. So I managed to um, win my way in. I ended up writing lots and lots of profiles of people that work in the industry. And I must have done that okay, I guess, because even though there wasn't actually a position there for that job, after a while it was like, oh, we're just keeping it on and he can do that. And mm. so we kind of cut back on the number of freelancers, though we, yeah. still, we still have some. Um, but I kind of became the, the, the profiles guy. So I did that for a number of years. Mm. Uh, also wrote some other stuff, but it was mostly, mostly profiles of people. And um, eventually the, the original editor, who, whose name is Paul Stanley Ward, good guy, he eventually changed. He, he was also writing scripts and stuff of his own, and he had various things on. So he... We kind of swapped positions in a way. Mm. So he became a writer. He went, he went down in his hours and did writing, and I became the editor. So I think that was about maybe five years ago. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's great. So in terms of what I do, yeah, I mean, essentially it's 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 checking all the copy and everything and making sure that there's ho hopefully no errors in it before it gets published. Yeah. Um, along the way, so, I've you know, I've dealt with lots and lots of people in the industry along the way, and, 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 mm. and earlier on I did do some video interviews with... Um, People like Jeff Murphy was was one of the ones I remember. Mm. So that was cool, that, and that yeah. was interesting to do because I've done lots of interviews over the years. But to do a 
I found video interviews really fascinating. Just that stuff where um, you kind of have these magic moments uh, where you just know they're saying awesome stuff and then mm. one minute later you're thinking, oh, geez, I'm going to have to cut that whole section out. <laughs> just, you know, I shouldn't be saying any of this in the no, middle no, of this interview. No, no, but yeah, I just found that really interesting because I'm, cause my mm. background is, is writing interviews with people mm-hmm. and in that case you can... Um, edit as you go. You can edit as you go, which yeah. is a whole separate area yeah. we could spend hours on. But but in video it's a different it's a different thing because, mm. y- you know, just the complexity... I, I guess it was about the complexities of editing, which... You know, I'd always been fascinated with, yeah. but to actually be involved with it was yeah. In cool. fact, uh, you uh, were—I think you conducted the interview with my last guest on the podcast, Hugh McDonald. You did one with him. I did. Yeah. So there was a there's a little connection. If we yeah. have a kind of if we can, there's almost a daisy chain effect going on with our podcast episodes. Yeah, right. So yeah. about I mean, yeah, and Hugh was uh, made tons and tons of films for the National Film Bureau, mm. and I guess mm. you would have. I haven't because that one's just gone up, right? I actually looked at it after I did the interview with him. I think while I was editing his episode, I, I, I quickly went on because I didn't have time to look at it. But that was interesting, and just to see because you're always worried that you're going to even for on a for the posterity aspect of it, you don't want it to sort of repeat too much of what's already out there. So I looked at it out of curiosity, uh, and it was just a ten-minute interview. Yeah, and it was a, a couple of repeated things, but no, it not was... a crime. No, not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, you know, exactly. the, the other thing is, if you got someone who's been around a while, which Hugh will agree that he has, yeah. you know, there's certain things that they that there's certain lines or you know, you've, we've mm. all got certain things we Definitely. remember or that are stories that you know are going to get repeated, and I definitely that's a crime. Yeah. Anyway. So that must have been. So that was nice to kind of keep that diverse aspect to the, the job then to be to be uh, exercising another muscle it in, your, in your journalistic uh you know quiver whatever the hell we call it yeah quiver's as good as anything yeah yeah so just to be clear i don't do that anymore i've got sort of too much else going on but yeah no it was really interesting and you've got uh, too much else going on well now now i'm sort of so busy editing oh, that okay. i don't re- i don't really do the video interviews now does that mean you have a deluge of journalists giving you copy that you have to wade through you know, <laughs> until the wee small hours i'm um, uh, just like um, like what size of team and stuff is that well just hitting? i don't really understand the the kind of scope of nz on screen screen as a website yeah is it quite is there a, is it voluminous the info that's coming in <laughs> on a daily basis or? A, no no so i don't want to say it's like a daily newspaper where we're publishing hundreds of things per <laughs> no. day you know no, much as i want to make to it keep, sound good no well to, it's a bit yeah it is a yeah. busy job yeah so we yeah. have we've you know we've got deliverables like everybody has so we have to have a certain amount of content we don't use buzzwords like that in yeah it, in well that's the thing isn't it <laughs> <laughs> if you can avoid the word I'm, deliverables in your job maybe that's maybe that's a good thing i don't yeah. know no, no, no. It's 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 funny. Yeah. yeah so we've um, got. So we've got. Mm. You know, we'll go with stuff then. We've I do got... have my own set of jargon. I'm sure <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. So we have lots of stuff we have to put up, but um, there's also just because the website has been around quite a long time, there's there's like thousands of pages. So you know, just you just want to keep it up to date. Profiles. Yeah. People are constantly making new stuff. So That's you know, there's true. more than enough exactly. to keep us going. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um. So. Uh, Oh yeah, I haven't actually described the. We were we're acting like everyone knows what it is, eh? Which probably lots of people won't. So it's basically it's a showcase of meant to be of New Zealand film, TV, music, video, and web series. So mm-hmm. you know, there's tons and tons of all of those things, and there's also lots, as I've said already, there's you know mm-hmm. lots of uh, back profiles. So it's a digital archive of moving image media. That's yeah, yeah. that's as good as anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah go sure. with that. Yeah. 
indeed. Did you just make that up? I did. Uh, but, good, good work. But I had time to make it up while you were pontificating. Indeed. Okay, cool. So we, we, I touched on the, um, the biography, the unauthorised biography of, of Peter Jackson. So uh, that's a, a, it was another feather in your cap. Right. Um, and um, I... Uh, I just wonder what your your uh, your overriding memory is of going through that process. Yeah, right. Yeah, is there? Um, yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, the overriding memory is uh, it was tremendously exciting, but the but that it was this really weird. It, it was like if this may sound a bit melodramatic, but it was like if I was ever going to have a heart attack, it was going to be in that period because I was <laughs> I was working. I can't remember now exactly, but I was basically working sort of twenty eight, twenty nine days a month. I was, you know, I had like one or two days off a month, and I was doing really long days, maybe four. Writing the book. Yeah, writing and mm. researching the book, and that was mm. uh, that intense period. I think it was maybe a year, or probably a bit over a year, and it, and and it's just a really weird zone to be in, and it's certainly not all. You know, there's something incredibly exciting about creating at that, at that pace. At that, yeah, yeah, mm. it was, but it was, but it was really weird mm. and, and immersive. Yeah, immersive is a good word. Experience, and yeah. I was working hardly any shifts here at the time. So, you know, I want to thank you because having mm. a couple of shifts a week here both kept me um, financial, but it also probably stopped me from going nutty. Mm. Because, you know, when you're writing a book, Definitely. you're in, you know, you're in this weird zone. Mm-hmm. Even though I had done, to be clear, I did tons and tons of interviews for the book, but, but by this stage, most of the interviews have been done. So, you know, it wasn't like mm. I was, I, I did the interviews over quite a long period, but this this period I was just sort of, I was just in this weird writing zone. It was really strange. Mm, mm, and mm. then I came out of it, and mm. um, I thought there'd be this quite nice gap where I could lie down and recover. <laughs> and I think there was a gap, but it was quite short because they, they basically, we were trying to bring the book out in time for what, what was the, the 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 final Lord of the Rings film. Not the before the Hobbit films, that is, but mm-hmm. uh, in time for Return of the King. So, you know, it got... It got um, my understanding is that they managed to put that book through at quite some speed in terms of the process of creating a book. And right. I probably caused the publisher <laughs> some pain. But, you know, we made mm. it and um, and mm. rand- it was Random House and they were mm. bloody awesome to deal with. Mm. Yeah, anyway. Mm. So you, you got that book that was in you, out of you. <laughs> did did the, the experience... Uh, not make you want to jump back into that furnace or was it very much a specific um, project that you you felt that there was a story to tell with Peter being a local boy you know who'd done pretty amazing things on the world stage so that's a was, two, that's what, a classic two-pronged question well so I'm, 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 I'm reaching for a question okay. I'm kind of thinking that Peter presented himself as a subject, a very, very kind of obvious subject that you knew that there would be a market for. So I guess there were deals done, where the you know Peter's brand was something that you know you can you can sell books on. Well, you're and using to, to, a whole lot of terms that that I don't think I was using at the time, but you're, you're totally right. So mm-hmm. when it came to the point where I went to the publishers, because mm-hmm. I went to two publishers initially, that you know there certainly was there was interest quickly. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of how the book began, um, essentially it was just this kind of weird timing that I arrived in Wellington as a young film fan pretty much around the time that he was making his first film Bad Taste, which right. took him, you know, years to make. So mm. basically I was writing film reviews for the 
University Magazine salient here in Wellington, and he was just starting what became Meet the Feebles. Mm. So it was this kind of weird thing where I was crossing between two roles. So I, I started writing a story about him for Salient about about Bad Taste okay. and, and Feebles. And at the same time, he was just starting to make uh, what was the original version of Feebles, which was like a little short film in this um, decaying house right near Parliament. Mm. And so he, he basically gave me a couple of roles of film, me and this other guy, and we just we just basically got to take all these photos of them making mm. this bizarre movie with like drug snorting anteaters and mm. depressed elephants and stuff. Yeah. And so I was in this kind of double role where I was I was writing a story on him and I was kind of helping. I wasn't really making the movie, mm. but you know, mm. getting to record it. Yeah, so that's how it began. So basically, mm. I just ended up writing stories about lots and lots of those early films. Cool. And I can't, somewhere around Brain Dead or Heavenly Creatures, definitely before Heavenly Creatures, it just suddenly struck me that he was a really obvious idea for a book. Mm. I had no idea at that point that, you know, he was going to become Lord of the Rings, best okay. yeah. but, yeah. you know, he'd already made these really crazy, ambitious movies. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so at that point, you know, it was a totally different... Not that I even knew what it was going to be at that point, but, you know, mm. I had no idea what mm. he was going to become. Mm. So, first time you'd done it, you know, wrote a book, you know, steep learning curve and all that. What would be one thing that you might do differently? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, where because, do I start? Uh, yeah, right. Well, I because yeah, you're you're learning on the job and um, and you're kind of uh, uh, you know a bit a bit green and ambitious green, and yeah. trying to um, um, you know m- make your mark and try try to be respectful of your subject and trying to. Please everybody, I suppose. You know, keep everybody happy while uh, fulfilling your little dream. Yeah. Uh, God, I can't even think where to start. I don't know how to answer that one. Uh, yeah. What? So. Um, well, just a lesson that you learned yeah, in right. retrospect. Well, I mean, maybe taking the... more days off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. I mean, obviously, in an you know, that's where you, in an ideal world, it doesn't matter what you're creating, you would have a. You would slowly develop it. You'd have a heated period of creation. I think for many people that, you know, you've got to have some kind of heat and energy involved mm. in it. And then at the end, you'd have an, a pretty long gap mm. and then you'd be able to revisit it before it, before it is released. Sure. And the realities of commerce in the world are that, you know, usually there's not the big long gap yeah, in almost okay. every, you know, yeah. even if it's a $150 million film. Like yeah. Titanic, for example weird one to bring up but you know they were literally Russia and and also uh, Lord of the Rings let me get the right one Um, well I think most of them to be honest you know Return of the King they were literally pushing that film as late as you can to deliver it so there was really no gap to stand back and say you know does this section work sure so you know that's that's a bit of a grand answer but yeah yeah so but with, so uh, I didn't have the gap either. No, you didn't. So did you think that what you were writing, what you'd put out into the world was something that you were um, pleased with or you were just, you know, there's a, what was there kind of uh, um, a, uh, you know, post, postpartum blues? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because that's quite common with people that, that, yeah, that work a the, long the time. postpartum and, thing. Yeah, to, to, to create something and then feel that, you know, the uh, the kind of the anticlimax. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's know. a really weird... Pro- I mean, I can't, you know, I can't go on about this because essentially I haven't written many books and I haven't created many, you know, I've done a hell of mm. a lot of journalism, so I'm certainly mm. no expert on it. But, yeah, I, I mean, it was... Yeah, it is weird to come out the other side. Um, but, you know, I came mm. out the other side and I went straight into 
pretty much the only time in my life where I was on the other side of the mic, you, mm. you know, so suddenly I was getting interviewed and, and I mm. was suddenly realising the power of journalists where, where, they, might, where they might write something or, or just not quite know the full story. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So Peter Jackson wasn't uh, one of his films, what uh, wasn't on your consideration list of what you would adopt at Ari Video? Uh, never, <laughs> never once crossed your mind? Oh, that's an interesting thing to bring up. Um, mm. Well, the, the problem is, you know, once you've entered a topic intensely, then you, you can't look at it in the same way. So mm. even though some of his stuff I think is amazing, you know, I can't... <laughs> the love affair was over. Yeah, you know, you've watched a film enough times, you've written <laughs> yeah. thousands of words on it, sure. you've interviewed all... You know, you, Indeed, you can't, it's you're not, done. Yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. I sure. mean, it doesn't mean I'll never see it again, but no. it's just, it's just you know, I, I put it in a separate... I category. agree, and there's a reason why I don't watch uh, films usually more than once, certainly not more than twice, you know... Maybe yeah. three times if you're lucky in a lifetime. I just don't want to uh, to ruin it, or yeah, to to kind of uh, wear it out, wear yeah. out the kind of uh, my my sort of um, affection for for it. Um, so, um, but you've been putting a lot of th- you put a lot of thought into what you were going to adopt <laughs> at our video. One of the prerequisites for being on this podcast, I have to say, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, I thought, yeah, it'd be good to have you come and chat on, and uh, you know, we, we can shoot the shit. And uh, you said, oh well, I've got to come up with something. And um, I, I guess I want to talk about uh, first up uh, a chap by the name of Eric Romer. Oh uh, no, we're going to start with Ro- Romer, um, the French veteran director of about twenty-five features. And and he was somebody who you were really keen on, and you went through a little bit of a obsessive, obsessive <laughs> compulsive streak. Well, it was a good uh, chance because I hadn't seen them all. So indeed, so you probably watched. We have fourteen films directed by Eric Romare in the store, and you probably watched most of those over a period of a while, a, a month or two. Mm. So, but you ultimately changed your mind. So let's just talk about Eric Romare and what what did you? Let's get him out. How of the did way. you? How did you feel about? Taking that detour of one person's um, well, it was good. Of you know, one, 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 oeuvre, the dreaded oeuvre word. It is, uh, yeah. yeah, it's not something I've done a lot, but it, it, that was partly why I did. That's partly why I did it because uh, I, you know, it's quite interesting to watch a whole lot of movies by one director. Mm. But in the end, ba- basically, uh, he's a quite he's kind of often his own special category, and the category is kind of not everyone's cup of tea. And even though I enjoyed watching lots of his movies, eventually I realised there wasn't really a standout. Like he's yeah. made a couple of truly, truly appalling films, which I'll just I'll just name them so you can yeah, avoid them. Yeah, be good uh, to know. God, have I got them written down here? Um, one of them is uh, I think it's called. The summer ray is that right? Right, the sun, the, the, gr- the green ray, the green ray. Thank the, you so the much. The green ray, also known as summer. That's it. Thank yeah. you so much for saving me. And the other one is uh, Claire's knee, which we both agree is a bit shit. Right. Uh, but anyway, onto the good ones. So I, I think green ray's great. Do you? Yeah, I do. Really? Yeah, I, I, I really liked it at the time that I saw it. Oh so I'm God. quite surprised that, um, I, I that think, you named that one as a stinker. I, I, I think um, the main character is really annoying in it, mm. and you know, you know, she's ultimately going to learn something or get it. Get 
a bit more likable. But mm. the, I've got to be really careful here because I, I hate giving away ends. But all I'll mm. say is the no, film's got a really important scene in it where an almost a kind of mind blowing event occurs. Mm. Yeah, which okay. involves that's visually meant to be mind blowing, and okay. that that kind of shows the sort of director Eric Romer is, which is he's the last guy to make a film like that. I don't remember it, but I don't remember yeah, well, much about the film it, about um, about kind of twenty early twenty somethings kind of talking about their. Uh, you know, philosophy and, yeah, and romantic right. uh, complications. Totally. That's effectively it. Uh, there's no plot to speak of. But I remember being really engaged by it. But it might have spoke to me when I was that age. Yeah, or right. maybe a little bit older. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I kind of don't want to see it again to, to spoil my fond memories just of it. Done a, I feel like I've done a really bad thing because yeah. that's like one of my major rules and I've just talked about the end no, it's quite, it's quite oh, a all major right. part. It's quite all right. But um, so if you didn't like that one, that kind of bodes well for the a couple yeah, that you would say recommend. something positive, right? Yeah. Well, I just want to say you just nailed him really well with what you said before. So you know, lots and lots of his movies are about um, people that are uh, outwardly, you know, really clever at talking about their world and their relationships, but often mm. they're hilariously. Uh, contradictory or doing doing idiotic stuff so they appear to know their shit but as you watch the film as you yeah. watch the film and often what's really interesting is at the start of the film you kind of think oh I know that person that person's going to be the annoying one and they often flip on you really well right. so they've got quite a lot of complexity to them well, in terms of the yeah. way they portray humans that's great um, yeah. but in terms of uh, a couple of good ones A Summer's Tale he did this mm-hmm. he, he's done a couple of quartets of movies A Summer's mm. Tale is one of the better ones mm-hmm. and um um let me get the name right. It's called My Night at Maud's, oh, which yep. is earlier on. Yeah, late sixties. Yeah, it yeah, is totally black and white one. You've mm. nailed it. Mm. You seen it? I haven't. Yeah, no, it's really good. No, um, yeah. But just the thing with him, part of the reason why he's a bit in his own territory is he's really kind of—I don't want to say anti-filmic, but you know—he's not about whizzy shots no. or uh, or exciting visual events. Mm. He's about—he just shoots it straight. So it's an awful lot of people talking. So if you mm. hate movies that are about people talking and and you have to read the the dialogue yeah well you do unless but, you, you speak know, french yes. yes and they're uh, but you know they're often mm. quite funny mm. and they're often quite convincing mm. even though they're not really acting like mm. anyone i've ever met the mm. way because they're able to talk about these things at a level that mm. very few of us do but at the same time they've got lots of the things about humans that i believe are true which mm. is that we're you know we're often less together than we appear to be mm. um and my night at more just doing a brief head for that that's got uh kind of three main characters and two of them are in this very loose relationship and kind of one of the core big long scenes of the film is that those two this couple end up back at her house and she's this stunning intellectual French woman and there's this other guy who's this kind of straight boring intellectual and it ends up because there's a big store the weather's really bad that mm. the, the the one guy goes home so we're left with the stunning woman and the straight intellectual guy and it's just great and she's saying just sleep with me because there's only right. one bed there so it's just right. this great long right. very funny but entertaining stuff where right. it's like you know are they going to get it on yeah sure is yeah. he, why is he stopping himself getting it on when he yeah. got it it's yeah, just yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. entertaining stuff excellent so they kind of milk the sexual tension for all it's worth they do yes. but then the other thing is you know the film's got one of the most boring openings ever so I totally right. recommend you watch it but it's right. got this opening in a church it's like Jesus okay. so you just need to sit oh, through that and you'll good. be okay no, it's a good recommendation for sure oh I just made a G no, no the, the, the thing was though that he was most f- his most famous film is the one you mentioned earlier um, Claire's, Claire's Knee, knee. And, uh, and interesting that we you know when I saw that you know 10 15 years ago I yeah I kind of thought well this this has not dated well uh certainly you know its gender politics were pretty sort of you know very typically French and uh kind of um 
uh, pretty outdated uh, and just uh, not very sympathetic behaviour going on. No. And so, by contrast, My Night with Mauds, which was made two or three years earlier, does hold up on In that level. In terms of the PC level. Not PC level, just just uh, kind of um, not sort of expected to kind of root for a total dickhead. Oh yeah, right. You yeah, know, you've kind of nailed it. No, I think you know this guy is quite. He's certainly pretty easy to judge. The guy in my night at Mords. I think you you have got there because yeah, Claire's knee. The guy, there's this guy who's an older man who's obsessed with this this person. Mm. I can't remember how old she is, but she's pretty mm. young. She's like 14 yeah. or 15, and it's just all about, this is just wrong. And yeah. it, it's sort of unclear, but it seems like we're meant to think he's okay, eh? the way the film plays it. Yeah, it's and hard for me to remember specifics, but, uh, but it, um, yeah, it just felt uh, not only... Uh, wrong as you describe it but also just twee as well yeah uh, so there wasn't i didn't really see much um there wasn't really much content there in in the complex way you've just described some of those other plots and yet i think it got nominated for an oscar or something indeed did did it Something uh, well, major, uh, not, or did very well at Cannes. Yeah, something major. So we can totally agree, people. Well, do not go near Claire's knee, okay? Well, well, go, at least you, you really want to go you there. You can go near it. Just I go mean, to the other ones first. There are other beautiful films like Agnes Varda, who's just passed away in the last week. Uh, mm-hmm. Her film Le Bonheur, for example, uh, has a you know about a um, a man and t- two two women in his life and there are similar things that are not oh, yeah. only very French but very very 60s and uh, and kind of haven't dated well but and Jules but, and but, but, Jules. There, but there is a kind of a, um, a beauty to the filmmaking yeah that it still makes it worth seeing yeah right uh, and enjoyable and then there's Jules yeah. and Jim since we're on a roll here eh? which is there another because is, yeah. is that one you're talking about is that another triangle type scenario it is. It, yeah. It is. Yeah. I think it's uh, again. It's a little vague in my memory, but from memory, it is um, a uh, a couple who are either married or um, or engaged to be married, and sh- the woman allows him to have a uh, dalliance with another woman. Yeah. So right. A, it's, it's very sort of uh, um, French. <laughs> French. Very French. <laughs> Um, so, okay, yep. so tell me, so so clearly your choice, Eric Romer. I thought he was. We were all. I was waiting all to set. hear what. We're all set for Eric Romer. I was all set to do a lot more research than I've done for this podcast episode. Oh, you and then what? you 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 dropped the, it you on dropped you. the bomb. You did it. It was bait and switch, <laughs> and you came up with another. You adopted two movies, but let's talk about the uh, the the other foreign language. Film. Sure thing. So the one I chose in the end was the Motorcycle Diaries. Uh, which is um, based on a trip that Che Guevara and this guy Alberto Granado did in uh, 1951. So it's a road movie, and um, I just I just wanted something excellent. So after watching all the Romare, I was like, none of these are quite stunning enough. So yeah. I was just looking for a foreign film, because I wanted to get a foreign film, because that's part of what Aro has tons of, you know, you're really strong in that area. And mm-hmm. I think Motorcycle Diaries is a really amazing film. It's a fun ride, but it's mm. not, you know, it's not just this dumb, silly film. It's got some mm. depth to it. Um, so basically, yeah, you don't really need to be into Che Guevara, the revolutionary, famous mm. figure, to enjoy the movie, because it, at this point he's only like 23 when he goes mm. on the trip. You have seen it, right? Of course, yes. Of course, yeah. Mm. Good to check that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a pr- pretty uh, high-profile uh, foreign language film, it Spanish was, language eh? film, and and it was um, 
you know, a, 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 a smash hit, really, yeah, on the art yeah. house circuit. 2004 yeah yeah indeed hmm. and uh and basically i love road mo- i love travel and i love and i and i love movies so it's just kind of an obvious it's just mm-hmm. just just sort of spoke to me really i think it's just a cool film so did it speak to you in terms of your uh you know vicarious travel as a as a movie watcher or are you seriously traveled because <laughs> I, you kind of done too much travel recently given the um, past history we've just talked about. Indeed, yeah. No, I haven't done much travel lately. So in uh, in the nineties, I went overseas on uh, on my OE for about four years. So I did, you know, I didn't do South America at that point, but I did. Uh, pretty, I think I did about eleven months straight traveling around Europe, which is awesome. Before arriving with all the other Kiwis in, in London, so mm. I lived in Edinburgh and Galway, and I've, you know, I've, I have kind of travelled tons, but I've been to. Bits of uh, I've been to Peru and Ecuador, a bit mm. of US, not much US, mm-hmm. lots of Europe. Mm. Um, where else? Australia, you know. So mm. yeah, I've done seen a bit. Mm. So mm. I, you know, I can't say I've done like a, a, a five thousand kilometer journey on an eight thousand mm. sorry mm. kilometer journey, or, or, or indeed have ridden a motorcycle. No, exactly. I've never yeah. never no because they do some of the journey on. The so street. there is a bit of wish fulfillment fantasy element attached yeah I suppose to... there is I mean that's when you watch it when you watch a road movie that's sort mm, of part of what's going on that's probably part of what's going on in movies generally mm. eh? but yeah mm. yeah and so you know and there can there are mm. some really bad road movies mm. which are kind of thin mm. but yeah I just think it's a very cool film so it's got you know there's lots mm. of fun in it but but you know along the way they um, it was essentially a turning point in Che Guevara's mm. life because he you know he it sort of radicalised him and led yes. him to what, what happened in his future because he realised the inju- essentially the injustices of the world. You know, he meets mm. various people along the way that have that have mm. got a hard deal or are extremely poor and stuff. So it's got some of that stuff in it, you know. But it's a, it's just a really cool film. Mm. So the uh, Steven Soderbergh made that uh, the, the Che Guevara um, biopic in two two chapters. Have you seen? Yeah, those I films? have, but I didn't yeah. check that. Yeah. yeah, what did I, you think of that? No, I haven't seen them. Oh, I, I, well, that's I, that's I, a problem because yeah. it puts me back on. No, me. I just just wondered if there was uh, whether there was any overlap or, or really it was. Um, I don't think there is. It's been quite a while since mm. I've seen them, but I, I, pr- I think from memory the first part starts with him slowly working his. Well, mm. it, it's mostly about him working his way through Cuba. Mm. Uh, I, I guess like, when you think about it, the motorcycle diaries really could be the story of anybody that starts out almost as a blank slate, and then through experience, then develops these ideas. It's in a I way kinda it's like kind of all that humanizing that person rather yeah. than looking at an icon and their the kind of the iconic uh, uh, sort of... Um, little revolutionary figure. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. The, I'd agree um, with everything you said, except for blank slate seems a bit strong, because, you know, everyone, he still will have complexity in him before he Well, we all trip, start off as a blank slate, I guess. I'm, I'm just... Okay, well, <laughs> well, we'll go with that saying, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, totally. It's, it's certainly, you know... Thinly couple, etched slate. Yeah, a, a, it's certainly a life-changing trip, yep. anyway, that, yep. you know, helps form lots of lots yep. of key opinions. Should we have some more of the Alvaberiness? We'll yeah, since, yeah, we'll, we'll take this... I'll take that pushback as a little indication to, uh, to, to, to refill. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, can, can I just briefly mention the director? Uh, yes, Walter Salas. Indeed, yeah. who I think had a bit of a documentary background. Sure, please he's, do. He's made lots and lots. He's an Argentinian guy, you know, as were the... Uh, the I thought the, he was Brazilian. Jesus, really? Oh, God. Uh, and the only reason I that. say that he's Brazilian is because... Central a, Station. A lot of his films are in Portuguese. Just fill in while I check. Uh, so, um, as far as I know... Uh, they speak Portuguese in Brazil, unless he's multilingual. Rio de Janeiro. 
Wait, that's Brazil. Oh, you might no, Rio, right. Rio is yeah Brazil. Yeah, it's yeah. Brazil. You're right. He's yeah. Brazilian, Brazilian, isn't he? Yeah, oh, sorry. got fatal yeah. error. No, I, that's I hate right. to go. Okay, so we'll okay. change the nationality there. Yeah. And he's made lots of road movies. Uh, he made well. I've got the one in my hand. A film that first sort of brought him to the international audience was uh, Central Station, mm-hmm. which is a really good film. I watched that again a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That's got an amazing final scene. I won't stuff this one mm-hmm. up. It's got one of the most beautiful final scenes you've seen in anything. Um, and he also did On the Road. He, he was the guy that finally made a movie out of that mm-hmm. major, major road novel. Yeah, yeah. there's mm-hmm. a few more too anyway. Yeah, so that's him. And he's doing one now, funnily enough. I think he's got a road movie on his list in Patagonia. It's pretty amazing what a lot of these South American directors are doing. I reckon. Uh, and, and, and including Mexico as well. Central, technically Central America. True. Uh, but yeah, they're a real... Um, uh, creative force, you know, without a, real, a doubt. Yeah, so it's quite formidable the talent that's come out of that region, without a doubt. Um, okay, I haven't seen Central Station, but um, yeah, anyway, another I, good one to watch. Yeah, yeah. So you couldn't get any further from um, Che Guevara, The Motorcycle Diaries, Gail Garcia Bernal, who we haven't talked about. Oh either. yeah, the kind yeah. Of the, hot the, young the, guy for people yeah, that the, might the want Mexican to pin up playing Che Guevara. Yep. Um, so. Um, he was also very good in, in, in No as well, which is one of my favourites, the Chilean film. Oh, I haven't seen um, that. Oh, I ha- is that the one? Tell me about that. It's the one where he is an advertising um, uh, executive or person and production person who is working for the No campaign against Pinochet. And that was really fascinating. Yeah, you like that one more than me. But oh, okay. should we get an Etu Mama Tambien while we're on? Well, we could do. I just want to say that I've recommended no to a lot of customers, and, and, and people and, have generally... and people have said yes. Oh, that's good. So, okay, well, yeah. just yeah, go with Andrew on that one. Yeah. And many people will say yes to Etu Mama Tambien, right? Which is another road movie with Gabriel Garcia Bernal, yeah. which is a bit more sexy and sort of modern. And that was another possibility that was on your short list. Your memory is very and good. And then Andrew. we could have talked about Alfonso Cuarón. We could, but let's and, carry on to and, the next one. Like true fanboy, yeah. drooling fanboys. Well, Roma know. is is an awesome film, but let's we better you to know, name but one. Yes, indeed. Anyway, it's back to the disc player. We shall not mention those not available. What, what do you on mean the, on the sh- on the small route, right, shiny disc? Oh, yeah. we, will Roma yeah. never get? Oh, it'll yeah. never get released. Yeah. Will cut, it? Can because we cut that, please? So yeah, Roma, you. terrible film because it's because ne- it's a Netflix movie. But that's another discussion, anyway. Uh, so, anyway, 180 degrees we have to turn to get to your other chosen adopted film in the Ara Video Library. Would you? I, I can't even bring myself to say this one. Can't you? Because you hate it, it so much. No, we're just... Uh, <laughs> I want you to. Okay, yeah. I right. want you to own it. Yeah, right. So the film that I'm owning is my other favourite is Gremlins 2. Uh, from 1990, and <laughs> Andrew yeah. can't even keep his face Also known as The New Batch. Oh, yeah, yes. right. Subtitle. Don't that. Yeah, yeah right. Um, so, um, just briefly, we've got to just obviously briefly talk about Gremlins 1, just for the uninitiated, well, but uh, essentially the first movie is a kind of dark fairy tale, uh, you know, ridiculous, silly film from the Steven Spielberg stable, although it was directed by this guy called Joe Dante, and uh, it's basically small town at Christmas, and it's got these really cute little fairy creatures that transform into these reptile things. So it's basically mm. little creatures take yeah. over the town. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah, and it's a, good fun. Yeah, kind of a d- dark Christmas movie. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so that came out the same week as Ghostbusters, apparently. Mm. And Ghostbusters, you know, creamed it. And uh, Gremlins did pretty well, too. So basically, Warner Brothers, the studio, they were desperate to make another Gremlins movie. And um, they couldn't really think of what to do. Because, um, you know, what, what are you going to do? You have mm. the Gremlins take over another small town. You, you, you hatch a new batch. You hatch a new batch. So in the end, it was just... What happened was they were so desperate to get a, you know, essentially to make more cash that they mm. went back to Joe Dante mm. and they pretty much told him he could do what he wanted. So he had an incredible amount of freedom in the movie. Sure. And but they, this was six years later, though. That is correct. Because, it's a big, long gap. Yeah. Although nowadays when you look at that, you know, I there's been some so. pretty big, like Tron, for example. Some of the, you know, some of the stuff that's come true, out lately. But you're saying that they were, you know, Gremlins was a big hit. And 84. So when, when something is a big hit, there's no equivocating. It's usually, right, let's strike while the iron's hot and get another one out. Well, I'd smart. have to see the contractual deal, but I, I think Joe Dante pretty quickly wasn't that, you know, because he is a guy who can... He mm. has some talent and, and right. some, some ethics. He yes. didn't want to make a piece of shit, sure. even though we're talking about a furry creature movie. So he, yeah. you know, he didn't mm. sign on. So mm. essentially, he signed on once they gave him, mm. Mm. Uh, you know, the freedom to do whatever so the hell he wanted. Why is there a preference for Gremlins to the new batch over Gremlins, the original? Like, what's the? Where's the? Where's your soft spot? I'm trying <laughs> to find it for, uh, for Gremlins too. Yeah, or, or for uh, for ridiculous bad films. Uh, yeah, just I can't say any more. I need you to explain. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, it's kind of hard to be. Lo- you know, I think that I, you know, I've watched all kinds of serious films in my life and enjoyed some of them. But I think part of what movies are about is uh, is, is entertainment and escapism. So it's it partly probably plugs into the films that I, f- you know, first got into movies watching. So you know, fantasies and sci-fi stuff is part of my sort of. Mm. film loving DNA I guess mm. but it's also it's just the you know there's something that, there's something about the madness of movie making that that Gremlins 2 encapsulates which is pu- putting phenomenal amounts of money you know arguably do- dodgy amounts mm. of money to mm. create a ridiculous silly extremely mm. anarchic entertain- piece of mm. entertainment so mm. so it's partly because it's quite a weird film so it's simultaneously a big mm. dumb piece of Hollywood entertainment but mm. at the same time it's it's got all kinds of weird little in jokes mm. and silliness and you know like there's one point when you're watching it where the movie comes to a stop and it and if you were watching it in a cinema back in the day it, it was done so well it did appear like the projector had blown mm. so this is obviously you know a yeah. long ago story for modern fans but it's just mm. got dumb stuff like that mm. and there's another mm. scene where a critic Leonard Moulton attacks talks about how bad the first Gremlins movie is and then he gets, you know, attacked by Gremlins. Sure. Just that kind of idiocy, it just it, I enjoyed. Sure. So I guess, though, there's, there's a certain... I mean, I, I watched it fairly recently because I hadn't seen it. And it didn't was, go well I, for I, you, No, I was really... Uh, um, you know, because we showed Gremlins up at uh, the Planetarium in December and I kind of, in a way, I'd seen, I'd seen that one once or twice before, and I was kind of more interested in Gremlins 2, but that possibly didn't have the Christmas spirit, so we didn't go with it. But yeah. I watched Gremlins 2 on the back of Gremlins, and I, it was, um, you know, we talk about you know, the new batch. You know, a new batch is either, um, can be either half-baked as a sequel, which clearly Joe, Joe Dante didn't want to do. Yeah. But he, it's very overcooked. I felt well, as a film, it's 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 it, yeah. completely over the top, isn't it? So it is. It's, it's, so yeah. I, so those gags you've just mentioned, why you know, and it's 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 amusing to see your recollection of them. But I found found that the gags are just very sort of like 
throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> so there's a, uh, there's a yeah, scattergun yeah. approach to it, which I found a bit kind of uh, a bit much. Uh, wearying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it just it sort of wore me down. Yeah, uh, because, right. So the structure of the film is kind of. It's, uh, is, is, is quite sloppy. Well, it's got structure. I, I, I believe but it's got shit stru- tons of money thrown into it, as you say. It's, <laughs> it's, a, got, it's, it's a, got structure for a while. I believe it's, it's got structure for maybe about half the running time. It is telling yeah. a story for a while, but then eventually it's like, okay, the gremlins. Oh, we have, we've managed to do. This is an example of what this movie is. We've gone yeah. on and on about it without actually even mentioning the plot. Well, Shows you how important the plot is. Well, you really can sum up the plot in five words. You can, Gremlins okay. uh, take over Wall Street. We'll take over one building in yeah. Wall Street. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. Well, anyway, so, you know, what can I say after what you've just said? So, you know, when you get to really silly, ridiculous stuff and comedies and especially mm. comedies, you know, mm. one person's work of genius is another person's pile of crap. So I can't, yep. t- you know, I'm not going to tell you. So have all. you seen it repeatedly? No, I haven't watched it. No, that, no I certainly no. would agree. You wouldn't want to watch Gremlins 2 yeah. too many times yes. in your life, no yep. matter who you are. Yep. So I'd, I see you've got to be careful with your doses of Gremlins. <laughs> but, you know, I recommend yep. you get, yeah, but you're right. No, it is, a, it is pretty over the top. And, um, yeah, but anyway, I, and it's, yeah, I just quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Um... It, it, watching it again did uh, when I was watching it for the first time yep. did take me back to 1990 though there, there was a uh, so an hour video started in 1989 is that right so you could say that you know I can almost remember opening the uh, the, the the mailer you know that we used to get from you know, say Warner Brothers who were distributing that film and yep. you get the big glossy kind of uh, fold out you know of the oh, Gremlin, the Gremlin two it. coming at you <laughs> and all of this you know the the um, the deluxe treatment that they gave films like yeah. that but I was always skeptical about sequels that they were this kind of cash in. Oh, totally. uh, and, and yeah, there yeah. were odd exceptions, um, yes. but by and large, uh, they were kind of lazy and bloated uh, rehashes of the first one. Now, one thing that I I did uh, have to point out was uh, that one of the things I really liked about the original Gremlins was uh, the likability of the two characters yes. played by Phoebe Cates and Zach Galligan, who were six years younger than in the sequel and I felt that Zach Galligan had not aged particularly well I know that oh, sounds really? mean sorry Zach but you know there was it a, is mean yeah I, I know it, it is get, no but I think there is part of the appeal of um, Hollywood comedies is that kind of star charisma that kind of whether it be in every uh, an every man or an every youth which, which he sort of is yeah, right? he, well he was uh, and <laughs> and then there's the kind of girl next door uh, thing and then mm. you, you know there's a, there's, especially when you're younger you know you're looking at these people as kind of um, you know you kind of want to fall in love a little bit and in the way that you know we watched the fly the other day up at the planetarium yeah you know and you kind of not only you're in love with Gina Davis and you're in love with Jeff Goldblum just seeing that star charisma up on the screen, apart from anything else that's great about that film. So there was so it held um, up pretty well overall. It did. It was great. It's pretty rare to have a really gory horror film that's actually got that kind of star yeah. wattage going on. Yeah, the star, so star wattage, and I was quite moved by the film as well, yeah, just to yeah. sort of di- di- divert. You know, it's a tragic story, uh, and, and it, which is summed up really beautifully in one. A soliloquy, you know, or monologue that, uh, that, that that Goldblum has when he's kind of facing his fate. 
I guess it's one of his. Yeah. Bit, bit, it's it's probably one of his best roles. Eh? I think it's it is. About I think it is. I mean, there's a huge range. Anyway, I, I divert. Although I guess there's kind of, you know, the fly um, has nostalgic aspects to it for me in the same way I'm talking about with uh, VHS copies of Gremlins 2 you know so it did take me back to that era and it made me remember what I like and don't like about that particular era of film and Hollywood at its kind of as a popcorn um, you know uh, factory yeah, yeah right dream factory yeah. well you know I feel a bit nailed against the wall here Andrew because oh, you know, yeah, a lot, a lot no, of no. what you're saying a lot of what you're saying I agree with so you know obviously Hollywood has made um yeah, I mean, it's made it's made so many bad sequels that are, as you say, just kind of strip mining the material. So, you know, I could see. I, I put, you know, it's we've all got to have our own call on each film, but I, I put Gremlins two in a different category for at least trying to subvert things a little because it's partly subverting mm. sequels. So, you know, it's mm. it's got some satirical undertones. It's certainly not a deep movie, but it is sort of taking the piss out of the very thing that it is. Mm. Because, and one of the, you know, it's just got. I just really like the way it's so incredibly silly. Uh, it's much more overly silly than the first one. You know, mm. the first one kind of is probably tonally stronger, I guess, mm. because it is this interesting movie that it's really warm and old-fashioned yeah. in a way, and yet it's got these really dark, strange creatures in it. It's, mm. But it works really well. You know, it's certainly a more unified movie. The first one. Well, I was worked. also, but I was intrigued about the the reason that you chose it, and I and I thought it was a brave choice and, and a good choice. There's no log- there's no logic in it at all. We've all just got no. Out. And the fact that you can embrace a really silly movie, uh, you know, and and uh, and have, um, you know, give it due reverence, I think is great. Yeah, I mean, so, I just think, yeah, I don't know how you look at it, but I, I remember when I was first getting into, like, serious movies, so, you know, when I started going to uni and joined the Film Society, I was, you know, making all the efforts to, to see all the classics of European cinema, and many of them were awesome, but, you know, I remember doing things like, there's a movie, I think it's called The Journey, just like a, it's like, a, it's a 40, it's at least 12 hours long, mm. and, and it's this incredibly ambitious documentary, what it's about is open to question, but it's partly about the Holocaust, and it's also about nuclear annihilation, it's like, so that was the sort of thing I'd do, you know, yeah. I would, I'm just not going to do mm. that anymore, you know, I had to watch mm. this movie over four nights, mm. and however good the journey is, because it's got some incredible mm. stuff in it, you know, it should be at least mm. four hours shorter than what it is, and it's mm. just so, so I guess mm. now, as, I, yeah. as I'm a bit older, I, I probably make less effort in terms of watching the really challenging films mm. and and i do have you know I, i've always had a love for like a mm. big I, I think that it's really easy to condemn hollywood for making shit movies and you know certainly they've made a few over the years but i think that there's there's hollywood has made tons and tons of highly crafted well-told films that it's very easy to sort of put them down. You know, some of mm. them have been massive successes and some of them haven't. Mm. Obviously, the mm. 70s was obviously a golden mm. period for mm. things like All the President's Men and all kinds yeah. of stuff. And and I think lots of those films are, 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 you know, they don't always get as much credence as they should because we're all off admiring the latest European auteur coming mm. through, you know. And as we both know, some mm. of those European auteurs were looking back at Hollywood and were mm. really inspired by, by mm. some of those... So by, those by adopting films. two movies... Uh, Motorcycle Diaries and um, Gremlins 2. You're covering both bases. Yeah, what, was there a certain strategic thinking? Oh, you give it, you're giving me too much credence. I, no, I, see, I, I just, you no. know, I, I like the idea of a bit of contrast, but, you know, I didn't think yeah. about it that deeply. I just no. really like yeah. both those movies. But, yeah, yeah I'm certainly aware yeah. they're quite different beasts. Yeah, but I think you are 
um, Gremlins 2 is also representing a certain kind of cin- cinema that you shamelessly like. I guess so, yeah, I guess yeah. so. I didn't, yeah, you're, you're probably right. And it's a darn sight better sequel than The Fly 2. Yeah, well, I've, lo- I've lost that from my memory. Since well, exactly. It, I think it was yeah, made by you know, a special effects guy. Don't from need memory. to go there. It was. I think it was directed by Chris Wallace. I think you are right. And he did such an incredible job on the special effects on the first one. They just thought, wow, you're a genius. Yeah, well, you, but it makes no just... sense at all, right? Because yeah. I think he'd hardly directed anything at that point. Indeed. But, you know, but it's, no, it was, I, as I say, that period did come rushing back. The, uh, the, the late 80s kind of glossy Hollywood um, you know, and a lot of that stuff is, um, you know, a lot of comedies, um, and a lot of you know, genre films. Yeah, and, right. And uh, um, you know, I, I know I was oddly nostalgic about it. So no, it was good. Nice to one. catch up on it. Good. And um, so thank you for that. No problem. What have we got left? Not much. I I, I don't know. Was there anything? Um, did you want to before we? Um, wrap it Don't up. Really did, you know, was, did, did you? Was there anything um, about your time at Ari Video? You know, and it was an, an experience when you were working here as a as a uh, uh, whatever we minion call minion. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as a uh, library. Are we? Clerk. Is, this, is this still running? So we can it's, go straight it's, into it. Certainly it is. Yes. No, nah, nothing really hitting me. Uh, um, no, that's was the worst of times. It was the best of times. No, that's bullshit. Sure. Uh, I can't. No, there's nothing. I mean, in terms mm. of working here, no, it's a great place to work. So it's yeah. really good. I mean, when you're working in yeah. a job where people mm. come in the store and they actually mm. are there for a good, the you know, if you're mm. you're in a, gro- a supermarket, mm. that's not. Th- I mean, I have worked in a supermarket. Mm. You know, people are not there to have fun. Mm. Whereas in a video mm. store, people are in a different state of mind. So it's just a much better equation for having cool discussions and stuff. That's it's true. really good to be, you know, talking about movies and. and so you had no retail. You've only worked in the store nah, as a retailer. You, well, you've forgotten. You you've forgotten me. But I have. You, so you tell me. Stole, you actually. Uh, s- s- I poached you. You poached me from another video store, which was. Um, I do not remember. It. Yeah, I was. Okay. I remember at, your firing, but not your hiring. That's interesting. Well, it's a long time ago. Uh, I was working <laughs> at which branch was I in? I was in the um, cool, the Karori branch of. Right. The one that's close to Kilbenny Video Centre. Is that what they were called? The amalgamated. One? Yeah, Amalgamated, sorry. Right. Yeah, I was working yeah. in the Corey branch there. Yeah. Uh, okay. But I don't think I headhunted you uh, like on site. I've done that with a couple of other stuff. You mean where you turned up I in the store? I turned up and offered them a job, you know, over the counter. <laughs> hoping that, that the boss hoping the boss wasn't out the back. Yeah. So I think that you were frequenting the store as a customer. You were doing a bit of moonlighting on the side, getting things that... Um, oh, you couldn't right. get from you. Well, you probably would have. Job. You would have had a few dealings with me um, before that, because when I was writing about when I was writing video reviews for the newspaper before I went overseas, which was years mm. before, I I would have got some stuff from Aro then, because yeah. there were certain films that only a few stores in town would buy. Yeah, decent films. And you, we, you are in the uh, in the five hundreds. Your membership number, if I remember rightly, aren't you? I th- yeah, so I'm just over 500. You're just over 500. 
Oh, uh, so yeah, they're the yeah. core. They're the originals, eh? I you never are, thought of that. That's right. So, ah. um, so, so, yeah. So that does go back to 1990. That oh, does. that's interesting. Um, yeah. So hmm. essentially, I I got a really good gig. I started reviewing videos for the for the old Evening Post newspaper. Yeah, pretty much the year you started. I I, know, I think it was about '89. I started. Yep. Hmm. So, on a scale of one to ten, how good was I as a boss? <laughs> <laughs> you were in the top. Uh, no, you were, no, no, you were a, near the top. It of was the a scale. rhetorical question. No, you were. A bit, was, you'd be a nine or a ten. Oh, don't embarrass you? me no, with see, an answer. Look, you. Well, you no, started it. You no, started it. No, you first, no, 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 you were. You were an awesome boss, Andrew. No, Seriously, no, cheers, mate. You are in the top you. two bosses. Well, I've it's nice that it's nice to remain buddies with uh, with somebody that you have worked with or you know somebody that's probably that, a that good you sign. have employed and um, and uh, you know so um, yeah it's always been a pleasure to uh, look after you in the store and um, you know just yeah it's it's been nice and nice having you here so I think we should wrap this up and go for a, a real beer next door and and finish off the conversation. Another garage project beer that's yeah, even that's better right. than this. Well, you know, this is it sounds this is so quite diplomatic. Nice. The, right. the elder, it's, not bad. Um, it's experimental by their own admission. Is it? But oh. it does taste like cider to me, and it's very refreshing. Um, but let's go for a okie dokie, a pint. Thanks again for coming on the podcast and talking to us, uh, Ian. It's been a real, it's been nice. Lovely. It's been fun. I've enjoyed yeah. it. Cheers and, for having uh, me. I've enjoyed your anecdotes about. All sorts of And movies. they didn't tell you the Harrison Ford story. I'll do that. I'll do that when we go to the park. Right, nice one. Thanks, Ian. Cheers. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. And remember, you can support us by adopting a movie for yourself or someone you know through our website. And you can even adopt a movie through our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash rovideo, where you can do that on a month-by-month basis. Through Patreon, you can also get the best value from our services while you support us. So for a US $25 per month, you can have unlimited access to our entire library of 25,000 rental films. Or for just $750 US, that's about $11 New Zealand dollars per month, you can rent two new releases in store per month. And we also have another option that's getting more popular for home delivery customers where for a US $14.50 per month you receive two guaranteed quality mystery movies from the Arrow Video recommended playlist. Finally, I invite you to register your feedback about what you've heard on Facebook or SoundCloud in particular and uh, you can subscribe to the podcast for automatic updates through your preferred podcast app. Until next time, ka kite anō.